Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, let's go. Super Talk Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us around the state, whether it's one of our Super Talk affiliates or online. Welcome to another show. Ben Milam joining me here today in the Southern Bank Core Studio. Luke in the Southern Bank Core Studio in Laurel. I'm Bob Getty, and uh, we're glad you're with us. What a great show. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com going to be joining us later in the show. We talk about the NFL Draft and the New Orleans Saints. But first, we want to get right to things. We've got Aaron Fitt from D1 Baseball on the show today. And, Aaron, it's always a great pleasure to have you on the Eagle Hour, man. We really do appreciate your time. My pleasure, guys. How you doing? Well, we're doing great. And, uh, look, I'm going to get right to it. I know both of the guys got a lot of things they want to ask you uh, but let me get right to the question that's on a lot of minds right now of Southern Miss faithful. And uh, after last year's magical run, uh, is Southern Miss still in the running for hosting a regional? And to what degree, if the answer to that is yes, are the Golden Eagles hopes still alive? Yeah, I think they are still in the running. You know, And certainly if they had won that series at Coastal Carolina, you would really like their chances. I think then they would have probably been in, in the driver's seat. But as it is, I mean, you know, Sunbelt's good enough to get two hosts. They got a chance at it. Uh, you know, Coastal right now, I think, sitting, even after last night, they're still in the top 10 in the RPI. So you really like their chances uh, to host. But Southern Miss is really still in the, in the hunt. I mean, top 20 RPI, you know, winning record in the league, um, solid, you know, top 50 record. I think they're 6-5 and five now, which is something that the committee looks at is that top 50 record, uh, finding its top 100. Like, the metrics are there. You know, the only the only question is, how can they finish down the stretch in conference? I mean, because that, that's the key right now. 11-7, and seven, there, there are other teams there uh, in the mix in, in that league. And, uh, they you know, they just need to finish strong in, in the conference. I think if they can get, like, in the top 16 to 18 in the RPI uh, and, and finish maybe second in the league, and right now that's exactly where they sit. They're number number two in the standings. They're, they're right on the edge, you know. I mean, there's a few teams ahead of them now, but they if they finish strong, I think they could actually do it. All right, Luke, get in here with uh, Aaron. Aaron, you were actually in Conway this weekend and uh, found out you weren't there for Sunday, so thank you for leaving. So we were able to get a, yeah. a, a, a one game. What did you see, I guess, um, that you know to set eyes on on the Eagles because uh, because I mean we're just we, we love Southern Miss here. We can be blind to some of the spots. Outsiders' perspective. What did you see that was strong for the Eagles? What did you see that was glaring weakness for the Eagles? Well, I liked what I saw from the offense. And, and I know, you know, if you look at the season as a whole and the offensive numbers of this team, there's a lot of guys who have not performed um, overall 
to the degree that we expected. I mean, you look at some of the veteran guys, the Reese Ewings, the Carson Paytos, Danny Lynch, you know, Sargent, uh, Blake Johnson. These guys all have track record. And, and that's maybe the biggest reason I was so high on this team heading into the year was I loved all the experience in the lineup. I mean, those are winning players that have won a lot of games and have performed and they hadn't really, you know. I mean, Wilkes has been great. Dickerson has been very good, and, and Etzel has been has been solid. But I mean, the rest of those guys that they were counting on just haven't been. But I thought this weekend the offense looked good. I mean, you know, I know that they gave up a ton of runs to Coastal, but they also, I mean, they scored seven runs in both of the losses, uh, and then came back at a 15 spot on Sunday. So I mean, it feels like the offense has heated up over the last three or four weeks, and um, I still think they're going to surge down the stretch. And the question is, you know, now can the can the pitching get back on track? And did not have a good weekend. I think Kenner Hall's had two bad starts in a row. Yeah, uh, he just didn't look like the guy that I've seen in the past. I mean, it's you know he's he's got to be sharp with his command um, because he's not going to blow you away at eighty eight to ninety. He's got great movement. He's got great pitchability and command, and of course that changeup is such a separator for him. But if he's not sharp, and, and I mean he walks seven guys, you know, on Friday after walking what fourteen all last season, yeah. you know, I mean. That was uh, that was a little alarming, um, but you know he's got such a great track record and he's such a competitor that uh, I would imagine he'll bounce back from that. But they they really need him to be, you know, they need him to be the the bell cow of that staff and get him deep into games and and kind of set the tone on the weekend. Uh, that's probably the single most important thing for this team going forward is to, is to get him back on track. You talked about the RPI Sun Belt right now. Seven teams, I think, in the top seventy-five or so. But I mean. You know, Eagles playing Arkansas State this weekend. That's a sub two hundred team. They got Tulane again in a midweek. All these, all these. We thought that the the end of the season would be high RPI teams. Louisiana will be the only one in the top one hundred. Naturally, the RPI will drop some, even though they win, right? Yeah, I mean that that's certainly going to be the case. Uh, it's just a matter of of how much how much you know how much will it drop. And um, I, you know, I think it's it's not terrible. I mean, right now it, it feels like. Like you mentioned, they still have Louisiana ahead, um, you know, Arkansas State, and not great. That one's going to hurt them, but South Alabama will, won't, won't kill them. Um, ULM, that'll eh, drag it down some. So, but I mean, you've got two okay series there with Louisiana and South Al, and then two that are going to hurt you, but not destroy you because, you know, it's not like we're looking at teams that are 6 and 26 or 6 and 30. You know, I mean, there's, there's some, some other leagues around the country where you've got one of those teams at the bottom, and when you play them, it just crushes you. Arkansas State's fourteen and twenty-two. ULM's fifteen and twenty-six. That's all right. You know, I mean, fifty percent of the RPI formula is your opponent's record, and so if you just avoid playing teams that have a terrible record, um, then it shouldn't hurt you too bad. So, uh, yeah, I think if they just you know win all four of those remaining series, I suspect that RPI will still kind of be where it needs to be to host. Hey, Aaron, Ben Milam here. I want to zoom out just a little bit because Luke mentioned some of the RPI numbers for the Sun Belt. You talked about the strength of schedule, and I think part of the reason Southern Miss fans at multiple points in this season have given up has been that strength of schedule. Then you have one strong weekend, and everything is back on track. So Sun Belt as a whole, Troy obviously got a big RPI win last night. Their, Their strength of schedule has been strong. They're a resume looks pretty good right now. But at coming into this year, I think the question was how many Sunbelt teams get in? Can you get five teams in? Probably not looking like five, but from your perspective ahead of this last month of play, how many teams can the Sunbelt realistically get into the tournament? Yeah. Well, we've got our latest Field 64 projection coming out today. I don't, it might even be up on the site already, but 
Um, I know we've got Coastal, Southern Miss, and Troy all in. We had Texas State on the bubble with Old Dominion. I think realistically, you know, probably it's going to be a ceiling of four. It just feels like ODU and Texas State right now, they're both in the 50s in the RPI with a 10-8 and record in the league, and it's just like it's not quite there. You know, I mean, you really, I think, probably need to be in the 40s as a Sun Belt team to get in. Um, and they could get there, those two teams. One of them probably needs to separate a little bit. But uh, right now it feels like Troy has really solidified itself now as the third team, and I think there's a chance for one more, whether it's ODU, Texas State, or, or maybe Louisiana if they can make the run. Or, I mean, heck, Georgia Southern's gotten you know kind of back on track, sure. but I just think they started in too deep of a hole to probably get there. All right, Aaron, tell us, uh, since the projection's coming out today, where do you project Southern Miss today? Uh, right now, we've got them as a two seed, um, and you know I, I, they're not too far off that one seed line. We're, I think, yeah, we're sending them to Baton Rouge. Big surprise there, right? Yeah, uh, no, Aaron, please. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, the committee just—they just do what they do. The, the geography is always going to be a factor. I mean, it's always going to be a factor, and so um, you know, you're going to be looking to pair Southern Miss with those other powerhouse yeah. SEC teams in the region, whether you guys have one coming to Hattiesburg or whether Southern Miss is going to, you know, to, to Oxford or Baton Rouge or, or Starkville. I mean, that's just usually how it's going to go down, unfortunately. We'd love to see more variety, but for, for a lot of reasons, doing things geographically does make sense. So I know you covered the regional last year. If Southern Miss ends up at Baton Rouge, Aaron, is it safe to say that the LSU fan base will be anxiously awaiting our arrival? <laughs> I think that's safe to say. Yeah, after the way last year played out, boy, what a uh, what a regional that was last year. Just really, truly a classic. And uh, yeah, there's going to be uh, there's going to be some some anxiety. I think probably mm-hmm. down there if, if if that rematch occurs. But it'll be a lot of fun. I'll tell you. I mean, yeah. I, you know, watching those two teams go at it last year was, was high theater for sure. No question. They'll they'll greet us kindly though, right? With open yeah. arms and uh, and real gratitude for us being there. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, I'm just you know, repay the hospitality. That's how this thing works, right? Aaron, we actually had I can't remember how many it was, but but there was several Tiger fan, uh, numerous Tiger fans that joined the Eagle Club so that they could get tickets uh, to the regional. So <laughs> it was. It was. It, you're right, Aaron. It was. It was. I think as exciting uh, a sporting event as you could ever witness. Those games between uh, USM and uh, Southern Miss. Look, man, I know you were a big supporter of Southern Miss last year, and you clearly follow the team very closely. And uh, I want to thank you for that. We really do appreciate the attention and uh, and the love that you show toward the Golden Eagles, uh, you and, and your guys at D1, Aaron. We're really grateful to you for that. Well, it's such a great program. You know, they've earned the, the respect and the attention that they get. It's, it's such a great fan base. It's a fan base that matters to us. And the program, I mean, look at the, you know, the proofs of the pudding. They've been a, a really great high-end program, a high-end contender for a long time. So we're gonna we're gonna keep on covering some of myths. I'll tell you that. Always appreciate you on the show, man. Thank you a lot. All right, guys, take care. Aaron Fit, everybody from D1 Baseball, pretty high praise from I think uh, Ben. I guess you'd agree the go-to publication now for college baseball. Uh, there's no question, no question. All right, when we come back, we're gonna take a look at that. Uh, how do you describe the game last night except bad for your heart? We'll, uh, Blood pressure salesman Lord, of the year. Mercy, yeah. no kidding. We'll be talking about that when we come back.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, we want to thank uh, Aaron Fitt from D1 Baseball for joining us. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. We were talking here during the break, uh, Luke and Ben and I. Uh, you know, Aaron is a guy that really, well, first of all, D1, I think it's fair to say, is is the go-to publication now for college baseball. And Aaron Fitt really seems to be the guy, Ben, that clearly covers and, and watches schools like Southern Miss and, and gives a a lot of credibility and a lot of love to schools outside of the Power Five. Yeah, and it's and they don't cover programs like Southern Miss just to do it. They don't do it from afar. You've got guys who are at the top of D1, one of the top contributors there, going to Conway and seeing that premier series, which deserves to be covered. And, yeah, the way that he talks, I mean, we were talking off air. I mean, he doesn't – he doesn't need to pull anything up to, to look at the roster for Southern Miss or anything. He knows Southern Miss. He knows Coastal Carolina and teams in the Sun Belt and other you know teams like Southern Miss Pure programs. He doesn't need to do research like that to come on a show like this. He knows it because he's covered it, and he does it really well. Right. Golden Eagles uh, win last night uh, at Tulane, and I don't know about you two guys. I watched the whole game. I was never worried for a second. <laughs> Hush. I, I was getting your text messages. <laughs> You were getting um, my text message. Joe, Jody Lott uh, told me that, that he he told Scott last night, he said, Coach, just remember, I'm on heart medication. Well, that's exactly what I thought. In fact, at one point I was thinking to myself, I don't know why I do this. There's really nothing fun about watching this. This is just miserable. Just miserable. In case you don't know, maybe you were in Europe or something overnight, the Golden Eagles uh, start out kind of shaky, but then have a huge third inning. Take an eight to two lead into the fourth inning. The next thing you know, you look up, it is the eighth inning, and the Golden Eagles are behind ten to eight. They go one, two, three in the eighth. Now you head to the ninth inning. You've blown a six run lead. You're behind two runs. And of course, that's when uh, they wake up and uh, Slade Wilkes hits another moonshot out of the ballpark. Uh, with a guy on and then follows up uh, Chris Sargent with a home run. And the next thing you know, Golden Eagles have 11 to 10 lead and a storm comes in, shuts everybody down and the Golden Eagles escape with a win. But my word, guys, uh, Luke, you 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 got to quit putting us through this. Something that was really interesting last night, every batter in the lineup got at least a hit. Blake Johnson had two, Wilkes had two, Sargent's only hit uh, was was the home run, but I thought that was probably the one of the first times all season that, that that's happened. Yep. And in spite, of, Eagles had three errors last night. Ben, they didn't play yeah. particularly well. I, I thought Sively, you know, got his bullpen in, did fine. Just seems as if Dawson stayed out there a few extra batters too late, and then of course, you know, Rhodes gave up two runs. Yeah, but it, it is. As ugly as that game was, it, that is the formula of how you're going to have to win games like that. With five games this week, as green and as you know, the, the lack of depth in this bullpen, you're going to have to stretch guys out for a few extra batters that you typically wouldn't in a situation like that. And I think that you know, it, it was just unfortunate that Dawson left one over the plate a few too many times. And a good lineup is going to punish that. And Tulane's got some talent and. You're going to have to win some ugly ball games in a situation like that. But I, I think one of the big things that stood out to me, obviously the fight at the end of the game, you could have easily just laid down and taken a loss and gone back to Hattiesburg with a game the next day. But 
I think one of the big things that stood out to me was Justin Storm. I thought that was one of the best outings he had, one of the best innings we have seen in 2023 from Justin Storm. Adding on to an already strong outing over the weekend against Coastal Carolina, that is a huge, huge deal for the bullpen. Yeah, no question. And and I raised this question, guys, and uh, you can both answer this. I'm beginning to think that Slade Wilkes hits the ball harder than Matt Walner. When Slade Wilkes squares up on the ball, if you've noticed the outfielders on the opposing team, they don't even move. They don't bother. They don't bother. They watch. They they it's almost like they enjoy watching it. Is it has he really hit it that hard? Uh Ben, he hits as hard as Walner. I think he swings harder than Matt Walner. So when he makes contact, yeah, probably so. And and the thing is with Slade, he doesn't change his swing. He's he is swinging out of his shoes every time. But the approach (laughs) is the approach has improved to where the the swing. Coach Barry has talked about this. The swing is swing stays in the zone longer. The approach is a little more mature, I think, this year. But that swing is not going to change. And when he barrels it up, it is going to go a long way. A long way. And and Luke, it appears really that Christopher Sargent is really beginning. to find his stride, and uh, that's huge. Uh, you, you hope – what you I think Etzel's hitting the ball better in the last Showing few games. Showing a little power, yeah. Showing a little power. Uh, Sargent seems to be catching his stride. Now the, the next one I think you got to hope really starts getting in the swing offensively would be Peyto. You've got to get Ewing or Peyto going because one of those guys is going to play every day. Either, either one of those guys. And it just seems as if they've been rotating them in there Trying to see, you know, who's going to step up and 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 seize it. The the thing about Sargent and uh, kind of Lynch being in the five hole, that Danny's average is still down, but he's been hitting better. Is that I think Scott said this uh, earlier in the week too. It protects Wilkes because if there's nothing after Wilkes for like two or three, about he's just walking. I mean, that's all they're going to do. But with Sargent coming on, particularly, you know, what this is the third time in the last four or five games they've gone back to back. You know, uh, it it just protects Slade. You have to pitch to Slade, and and so Christopher needs to continue uh, to do that. But uh, Heath Hinton brought this out to me as well. I mean, there's no rally if Dickerson doesn't get that. You know, do do what he does at the plate. Right. And right. and one thing I've been seeing, Ben, you can talk about this too, is it it does seem that we are getting better at bats as we go on. Uh, that we're working pitchers, working pitchers deep in the counts, and it just seems as if there's more two-two and three-two counts now. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and I, I think I think you go back to Slade Wilkes on that because I I shudder to think of what the offensive production would be without Slade Wilkes because as he has you know had this game breaker type production over the last month of play, the majority of the season so far, it loosens everybody up. It gives Chris Sargent more pitches to see when he's behind Slade Wilkes because when you give up a home run like that, you're going to be aggressive. You're going to try to get it over the plate to the next guy you see. Chris Sargent has benefited from that. And everybody all the way down the lineup, it's a trickle-down effect. Everybody bats looser because the pressure is not on you to leave the yard every time. And I think that's the way the lineup early in the year was coming to the plate was with all this pressure I I thought it was pretty visible that everyone was trying to do everything and that's not a recipe for success for this offense so when you have guys like Slade Wilkes Chris Sargent Matt Etzel Dustin Dickerson who are carrying the weight then everybody bats looser and that's when you start to see the turnaround like we've seen these last couple weeks yeah Luke your thoughts yeah it's just and I, it just seems as if it's taking the offense slower to, to get going. But 
Really doesn't matter how you're playing at the beginning. You know, you're you you got to be playing well at the end. No question. T- t- tonight against Louisiana Tech, um, I'm sure itching to uh, to get back out there after you know what happened last week. Yeah. Um, you know, thoughts about tonight, Ben? What do you think they're going to do pitching wise? I. I... Literally have no idea. <laughs> I think it's going to be it's going to be all hands on deck like it was last night, and you would really hope and really need someone like Chandler Dawson or Chase Adams or someone like that who hasn't just given you a ton of innings to give you two or three good frames, and you're able to kind of build on top of that because Dude. you've got to have some bullets left for Friday. Do, do they go with Middleton? I think JB probably throws at some point. I don't know who starts, but but I think it's whoever starts. You you would hope best case scenario to get two innings out of them, and then you just go right. with whatever's left. Hey. If if you score early, I mean, is Monaster an option on the back end to get him some work? I think Monaster is probably late because you you obviously want to keep him in the lineup the way that he's been swinging it, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. But I also, you know, would point back to last night, a six-run lead. I mean, you don't really feel safe with any lead at this point <laughs> at a midweek game with, no, with the no, way your bullpen's no. been throwing. So right. I would expect Monastery, if he does throw it, for it to be pretty late. Any, Irregardless of who throws, you got to keep swinging the bat. Oh, yeah. you got to keep hitting the ball. Yeah. And you got to do that in midweek games because you're – your best guys are not gonna not gonna be out there very long. Hey, it's a good night for the league last night. Georgia State beat Georgia. Troy beat Auburn. Yep. And uh, you know, Wake Forest did skull Coastal Carolina. I kind of have mixed feelings about that after last weekend. Although I guess you want to see the conference teams do well, but uh, yeah, they beat Wake Forest earlier in the they year, did. so that was kind of a payback from a really good Wake Forest team, but. Uh, I tell you what, guys, the Sun Belt holds its own outside of its league, and uh, that's a that's a really good thing uh, to see tonight. Tough, uh, Ben, Louisiana Tech, a better caliber team than Tulane, right? Yeah, I think so. And there's that familiarity aspect that I think I don't know if that helps or hurts you, but I think it makes it more difficult to to beat a team that's maybe a little bit lesser than you are because of that familiarity in, in terms of approach pitching-wise, and they've seen a lot of our arms that they're going to see, although maybe not as much as typical. But, yeah, it's it's tough to always to beat a team like Louisiana Tech. They're scrappy. They've got veterans in the lineup that we – I mean, we know all those names that we saw last week. It'll be the same thing tonight. It'll be a tough win. No question. All right, tomorrow night is the NFL Draft. I know there are a lot of Saints fans in our listening audience, so we're going to go straight to the source, Patrick McGee from NOLA.com, and talk about the Saints on draft day when the Eagle Hour continues. Southern Miss to the top. All right, the Super Talk Eagle Hour coming to you today from the Southern Bank Course Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. I want to thank Dickie's Barbecue for their sponsorship of our opening segment of the show every day. Great place to cater your next event. Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. Great place to buy your Southern Miss apparel. Really, I guess the 
only real place to buy your Southern Miss apparel. They've got the greatest selection. Saw some really cool baseball T-shirts that they actually were advertising online today, so you may want to check that out at Campus Book Mart. And also want to say hello to our buddy Slade and the gang at Forest Street Bar and Grill. Had a great time there last Friday, and uh, we appreciate all that Forest Street Bar and Grill does. We're on the road tomorrow. We're at Woolwine Jeep Chrysler in Seminary. Really happy to be part of the grand opening of that beautiful new car dealership uh, in Seminary. So we'll be broadcasting uh, there tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Hope you'll be able to tune in. Ben Milam is with us today. Luke Johnson is in Laurel. And Patrick McGee from NOLA.com is on the phone with us from the Crescent City. All right, Patrick, uh, we're about, what, 24-plus hours away from the NFL draft. And uh, the Saints, uh, they go offense or defense with their first pick? Uh, you know, I, I think the expectation is defense and has been for a little bit. But if I think if somebody falls in their lap, at 29th overall in offense, and they're good enough, they may take a chance, you know, possibly a Texas running back, uh, uh, Robinson, uh, Michael Mayer, I think the guy we brought up last last week, uh, the Notre Dame tight end. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be options to go offense and possibly at either tight end or running back, uh, but I, I think everybody kind of has been leaning for a long time, and often that's kind of how it goes in these situations that the Saints will end up probably drafting a defensive end or a defensive tackle. You're drafting, you said 29th, is that right? Yeah, 29th. That's kind of low in the opening draft, though, right? I mean, I guess the the big glamour stars are, are largely going to be gone by then. Yeah, well, I mean, but you never know. I mean, these drafts get weird. Uh, there could be some names that, that fall down or move up. You know, we'll see. I mean, I think Robinson, the Texas running back, is one that everybody – really talks about is is he's a first-round talent, but so many teams are really reluctant uh, to draft a running back high these days. So uh, it, it, we'll wait and see. But, yeah, I think I think the Saints know that, that, that there's going to be a lot of guys that they like that are going to be gone before they, go, before they pick. Well, you've got a quarterback now, obviously. You've got that nailed down. That's been the conversation for the last, you know, most of the offseason – so I'm curious, outside of the quarterback position, you mentioned the skill skill spots of running back and wide receiver. Do you feel like there is a need for the Saints to really fill those spots? I mean, what what is the emphasis overall going to be on the offensive side of the football? Well, I think if if they think they can kind of swing big and make a you know a hit on offense, if they do go that angle in the first round, it would be a tight end uh, because there's just so many options coming in. You have Michael Mayer, uh, Notre Dame, Dalton Kincaid. Uh, Utah, Luke Musgrave, Oregon State, uh, those are all guys that could be impact guys, as it say the 29th overall. Those are guys that can maybe make a difference for you. Because the tight end position has been a little bit of a, a nifty spot for a while. They like Juwan Johnson, who they've re-signed to a nice little deal. But uh, if, if they can get an impact guy, a guy that's you know going to make a difference on offense, I think it comes at tight end. Luke? All right, uh, Patrick. Um, we, we've looked at a, a few names uh, the last couple weeks, and you and I were looking at one. We I don't I don't think I can pronounce uh, his name. D tackle from Northwestern out of out of Bawore. That's probably awful. Uh, my pronunciation of it. Anyway, real fast. Four four nine um, at six two two eighty two. He's a fit. We talked about the kid Breesy from uh, from Clemson. Yeah. Another guy, kind of at 40, Will McDonald, um, who's a defensive end from Iowa. 
He's a little smaller at 240, but it seems as if they get an interior lineman that they, they possibly might come back at 40 and get like a rush specialist, somebody that can play a little hybrid uh, and, and, and you know get down at defensive end as well. Yeah, it's not unusual to have a second or third rounder really kind of to, to get a guy at defensive end uh, who can make it. I think that's a position where you're always going to have a chance going into the middle rounds where you can get somebody that's going to be able to play for you. I think you mentioned in Bercy, the, the Clemson defensive tackle. I mean, he's a guy that was a former uh, number one recruit uh, nationally uh, coming into Clemson, had all the offers in the world, and battled some injuries and had some other tough luck. Uh, but if you look at him, he's like almost six foot six, 298 pounds, runs a 4840, uh, really good athlete. He's somebody that I think still has room to develop as, as a defensive tackle going in. Uh, just because he wasn't on the field as much he would have liked in college, but he's coming in fairly healthy. Uh, nothing, nothing really limiting him at this point. So I think somebody like Percy is somebody that you can get that typically would be a high first rounder, but just maybe a slight question about his durability coming in. Maybe that's the kind of guy. Maybe somebody like how they got a Lattimore back in the day. Yeah, Percy is somebody that can make a difference for him. All right, I ask you this question every week because it affects the NFC South. Who's going number one overall? Uh, my expectation is Bryce Young goes there. There's, there's some uh, buzz about Will Levis suddenly maybe jumping up the board. I think a lot of people maybe see him as the number two. Uh, the odds of him being number one overall increased, but I, I just don't see Levis going that high. I think anybody drafts him that high is making a mistake. I, I think the one guy that's pretty much a surefire guy, at the very least the starter, productive guy in the NFL, is Bryce Young, even yeah. though he has downsides of size and all that. Ben, Ben, why is it that like you know when there's four or five quarterbacks, even though people just freak out and take a quarterback, like if they if some something happens, right? Yeah, I mean none of these dudes are are even close to being you know outside of Young, who I think is going to be a quality starter in the NFL. Maybe not a, a guy that's going to get the playoffs every year, but everybody else in that group, I don't, I don't, I'm not buying one bit. I don't know why anybody wants to hit that high and, and miss that badly. And that's that's what I'm afraid some teams are going to do this year. Well, and it's always a things just get overblown so much because people feel like they have to take a quarterback. And right. I mean, all this interview stuff and and the things off the field that that obviously matters a lot at quarterback. But I mean, you hear everything kind of going around Stetson Bennett. A lot of teams have backed off of him, and he's fallen way down the draft boards just because of you know some of his interviews and off the field stuff. But, you know, we look back in five years, this it's going to be probably one of these guys that we're not talking about who has built himself mm-hmm. as, as one of the great young quarterbacks in the NFL. So yeah. I really – I feel like there – first of all, there's a lot of luck to it. But uh, all these different factors combined, I think it's really difficult to draft a high-quality quarterback in the, in the draft these days. Yeah, I think Hendon Hooker is the guy really nobody's talking yeah, about that had yeah. a chance to be – a Pro Bowl type quarterback, so uh, you know, and he's he's probably he may be around there in the second or third round, or there's a chance somebody even takes a chance on him late in the first round. Uh, we'll see. Speaking of quarterbacks, big news this week when Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, synonymous now with the Green Bay Packers, goes to the Jets. Patrick, uh, mm-hmm. he had to be really unhappy in Green Bay. I mean, why why would you want to leave Green Bay and and go play in New York uh, at, at this point of your career? I, I mean, I, I I think Aaron Rodgers got kind of bored in Green Bay that he was just doing random weird stuff to entertain himself, uh, and and I I think maybe at this point this is the way he kind of 
keeps himself plugged in a little bit. You know, that, not that he hasn't put in the work. He's obviously a very good quarterback. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, he had his feelings hurt a few years ago when the Green Bay Packers uh, draft a draft a quarterback in love, and he's going to be the guy that's probably take over to start for the Packers this season. I don't know. I, I just don't know what motivates. Aaron Rodgers at this point obviously he wants to get back to the Super Bowl and I think the Jets can be a good team with him uh but you're you're t- you got a hack at the offensive coordinator was co- completely butchered his one season as a head coach of the Denver Broncos so I you know I'm not buying maybe they're a nine to ten win team I don't know uh but we'll see I think Rodgers does has enough left in him to make an impact now he can play uh Luke what what degree does the blue witch play in all of this I She's apparently really messed his mind up. That's the second. I mean, you mentioned the first time off air, so I don't know if you're in, you're fascinated, I'm fascinated with this individual. Fascinated by the blue witch, yeah, Patrick. I yeah. just think it's ironic that as much as he didn't want to be like Brett Favre, he's continuing down the same career path as Brett Favre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, their, their their careers are strangely mirroring each other, you know. And, and we'll, we'll see. We'll see who's but, who's stint in New York goes better. Yeah, one thing though, I, I do think that uh, the Jets are in a better place to to win with their head coaching right. situation and their emphasis on defense because their defense was right. was much better. Right, right, yeah. I mean, and I I hate it on Hackett, but he was successful as the Green Bay uh, offensive coordinator. You know how much credit goes to the head coach there? I don't know, but yeah, I think the Jets can win. I like Robert Sala; he's a good head coach, and they can play good defense. And there is talent there on offense, so I, I think they have a chance to be. A, uh, a contender in the AFC. No, no question. They're pretty competitive football team, but that's that's a pretty loaded. That's the, a pretty uh, loaded league now with Rodgers over there because you've got them and you've got the Bills yeah. and you've got. You can never say you can never count out New England. Uh, so pretty right, tough yeah. competition on the East Coast. Yeah, that's that's one reason you kind of sit here and question why the, the Rodgers and everybody has kind of worked towards the Jets because it, the AFC is really tough and that division is really difficult. So it's uh, they're, they're, everything's got to go right for the Jets for them to really to, to get into the playoffs. Bob wants to know your uh, professional opinion. Is there any hope for Washington? <laughs> there's never hope. Well, I mean, there's hope now that the team is sold. That's that's the best thing that could have happened. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully things trend the right direction. My inside sources say one of the owners, Magic Johnson, is working out, and he may play quarterback this fall. For the, well, uh, he always looked like a defensive end. So. Yes, for the uh, commanders. Uh, the commanders. All right, Patrick, thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you next week about the results of the draft. Okay, thanks, guys. PatrickMcGeeNola.com, everybody. When we come back, we will wrap up this edition of the Eagle Hour. Quick reminder about Mobay Beignet Company. Great place to enjoy delicious beignets and all sorts of coffees. Mobay Beignet, the official beignet store of the Eagle Hour. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Appreciate Patrick McGee joining us from NOLA.com as well as Aaron Fitt from D1 Baseball in the first segment. If you missed either one of those interviews, you can go back and listen on demand, supertalk.fm, or check out the Supertalk Eagle Hour in podcast form, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Audible. Luke Johnson. Bob Getty, Ben Milam joining us today. We're in the Southern Bancor studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, final segment, as always, brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, dbathattiesburg.com. 
Com. Southern Miss uh, Beach Volleyball earns all-conference um, awards, uh, both two ladies, I should say, uh, from Beach Volleyball. My computer froze up, guys. I apologize. If you didn't know that, Bob, mm-hmm. the listeners didn't know that, it's not like I just quote all this from memory. I have a device. Oh, I, that I, helps I, me well, out. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't I'm know shocked. I, I've never seen you without your device for it. <laughs> Two Lady Eagles earn uh, first-team All-Sunbelt Conference honors. They will open up tomorrow in the uh, Sunbelt Conference Tournament uh, Beach Volleyball taking on Coastal Carolina. Men's golf was in fourth place uh, after uh, round two yesterday, came back and, and made a charge. Slipped some today, guys, in the final round. Eagles uh, now 10th overall. Really a tough day on the course uh, for, for the Golden Eagles. Cameron Clark with a one-under um, for uh, the day as uh, as well. Southern Miss taking on Louisiana Tech tonight at 6 p.m. at Pete Taylor Park. Other Sunbelt action, Northwestern State at Louisiana. Arkansas State on the road at Little Rock. Georgia Southern hosting College of Charleston. And App State going to the number 2 Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And that game is actually in Shelby, North Carolina. All right, I have to make a confession, Luke, uh, and I told you this off air. My son is an avid fisherman. I sent him the picture of you with the striped bass. He confirmed that it looks real to him, and he said to tell you that is one heck of a catch. Well, I appreciate people actually knowing what they're talking about. It's nice to to know those type of people exist. All right. Our man Ben Milam is here in the studio with us. Ben is the play-by-play voice of William Carey University who we have a great love and affection for here at Super Talk. And, Ben, we were talking, uh, you do all the Kerry baseball, man. You said great year at Kerry, regular season champs, and a real shot at the World Series. Yeah, ranked number 12 in the country right now in NAIA baseball. And I would be remiss, Bob, if I didn't make a plug for Crusader Talk on Monday nights at 7 o'clock. We talked a lot of the baseball scenarios, the postseason picture, this uh, past show. And, of course, you can go listen to that in podcast form, but – this group's just been a whole lot of fun. It's been a matter of a, a little bit of a rough start pitching-wise, but everything's kind of come together. And it was actually interesting. We, as in William Carey, were ahead three games in the standing, so we're going to have to win one in this final weekend series this next weekend. And then get news yesterday that Faulkner, a, who, was tie, who was in second place, was playing an ineligible player when they, at, when they beat us two times and so that by default gave William Carey the regular season title probably would have gotten it already but yeah those are those Mm -hmm. are just some of the funky things you see in NAI baseball and host the conference tournament next week all week Wednesday through Saturday if you're looking for something to do it is fun to watch those guys play ball there's no question we get caught up here in Mississippi I think we're a lot of us guilty caught up uh, into the big three state Ole Miss USM but having lived in the Delta a long time, I'm well aware of the quality and the fun of following Delta State baseball. Yep. Same thing as with William Carey. We really have, we really have five outstanding programs in Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it, and it is it is uh, obviously a different level. But Coach Halford, we were talking about this off air, has guys drafted just about every year. Had one drafted last year that's with the Tigers in their minor league system. Probably going to have a few this year. I mean, it is it is high-level baseball. It's a different level, but it's a high level. And a beautiful facility at Cary. It is probably one of, if not the best facilities in NAI baseball. Is that right? Yeah. I, yeah. I want to separate myself from a comment that Bob just made, Ben. <laughs> Bob said, 
not the first time. You know, we we get there. we get caught up with the big three. Bob, I don't get caught up with Ole Miss or Mississippi State baseball. Well, you know what I'm saying. I, I, I was just I yeah, wanted to separate yeah, I get and, and clarify. I don't either. I don't uh, really pay much attention. I don't know if that was a slip you made. Hopefully it's not. There, there's nothing no. underneath Here's that the we truth. need to know they about. They played each other last night, and I could not tell either one of y'all who won the game. State actually won 2-1. to one. One. Yeah. And uh, the governor was there, and I think the governor and his aides were the only people that was there. But it's yeah. uh, regardless – you know that they need to do something different, and they're charging too much for college baseball games no when those two teams can't get along with the the Southern Miss and no, the games against those two schools. They got to do something, dude. Different. You got to have some money to go up there and watch those games. Now the yeah. ticket prices are ridiculous. Yeah, go watch three and a half innings of baseball and have it canceled because there's Ben. No we uh, we like going to a Morgan Wallen concert. <laughs> yeah, we we suggested that Trustmark and Morgan Wallen may be in cahoots. Oh, with that'd be a great partnership. It's only natural. All right, we're on the road tomorrow at a Worldwide Jeep. You're gonna join us, right, Ben? That's right. Me, Luke, and Ben will be up there. Looking forward to that. Really appreciate Mr. Woolwine and his fabulous family for having us as a part of the grand opening hope you'll tune in tomorrow at one until then southern miss to to the the top. Mississippi Media Production.